0: This is the Helix and Gene Wellness Podcast, episode 25. Welcome back to the Helix and Gene Wellness Podcast. We are excited to be back with a brand new episode for you and several more coming your way soon. In this episode, we interview Dr. Naseem Chaturwala, a board-certified neuroclinical and vestibular specialist with more than 20 years of experience in her field. And we will explain what the vestibular system is in this episode, as well as what Dr. Chaturwala has to say about CTE, what is the difference between health and wellness what is the difference between the brain and the mind and much more so here without further ado here is sam dr nasim chatawala and myself with episode 25 stay tuned at the end where we'll give you all the show notes and links and enjoy
1: hello and welcome to this episode of helix and gene medical wellness podcast this is episode 25 today we have our Naseem chanawala dr Naseem chanawala here who is a um who is not just a regular physical therapist she's a very detailed special physical therapist in a much needed field that i'm very excited in and I'm going to let her tell us a little more about herself and kind of, um, introduce herself because she'll do a much better job of it than I will. And, uh, we'll get started. Hi Naseem. Welcome to our show. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you. Hello. How are you? And thank you so much for having me here on this podcast. I'm very excited, uh, for this, uh, conversation. And about myself, I'm a physical therapist, uh, been in practice for almost 23 years and um, I do I'm a neuroclinical specialist and I'm a vestibular clinical specialist and I just opened up my private practice uh, last month wow, and it has congrats. been the best month of my life. Um, <laughs> I, I really am so happy to be doing what I love to do in the way I want to do and I think that's a big thing.
1: So Naseem, before we get into this amazing Rehab Health 360 of yours, um, give us a little feedback in terms of, you know, background story. So how did you become uh, this incredible doctor that you are today? What's a little bit of that journey? Where did this come from and how did you get into vestibular neurology?
2: So that's a very interesting story. And honestly, and so I teach at NGH Institute of Health Professions and also at UMass uh, Physical Therapy Program in Lowell. And I usually always I'm telling my students is don't have your heart set on this is what I want to do. So back in 2001, I wanted to become a pediatric physical therapist. Yeah. And my first job was an in early intervention. And then I did that for a little while. And I think sometimes it's just destiny on where it takes you and what forms out of you. And I think we should always have a very open mind of let, let the opportunities come in and take whatever you can get from those opportunities. Um, and I, my first job was at Spalding Rehab in Boston. I was seeing pediatric patients, but I was also seeing adult neuro patients. And when I had these patients who had neurologic deficits, a lot of patients had vestibular issues, but not just vestibular issues, they even had like back pain and ankle pain and shoulder pain. And I started referring these people out to other therapists who were specialized in these areas. And it was really hard in terms of scheduling. And I felt the efficiency of what I can provide was diminishing. And that's what led me to do vestibular therapy. Uh, I actually have a very wonderful mentor, Kathy Gilbody, um, who is my advisor. And she, uh, her, she sparked this interest of vestibular therapy in me. Um, and then even like orthopedic, so I can treat back pain. I can treat, uh, treat shoulder pain. I, I do feel, and I think we want to talk a little bit more about wellness, I, I do feel have to treat the body as a whole. It can't be that I'm just treating one part and then let somebody else deal with the other part. You need to have the knowledge to give this detailed comprehensive therapy. And I think that's something that set me apart is listening to the patient and then really approaching from a comprehensive, and that's where Rehab Health 360 came, so it's at 360 degrees. It, it's like comprehensive, well-rounded care for your patient.
1: So in terms, so for some of those are listeners that are not physicians, can you just get a little more into what vestibular neurology is and what, what exactly, you know, give us a little bit of background about what that is.
2: So vestibular neurology is honestly such a vast topic, I could spend like hours and hours talking about (laughs) that. Uh, But in a nutshell, I feel our vestibular system is such an intricate and such an interesting system, and it helps us in ways more than you know. So a lot of times when people say, I'm dizzy, and then they say, okay, that's vestibular system. And most people will relate dizziness to your vestibular issues, and then that's it. And so if you don't have dizziness, then they say they don't have a vestibular issue and people don't get sent to us for vestibular rehabilitation. Mm. But there are so many instances in which you may have a vestibular problem, but you have no dizziness whatsoever.
1: Understood. So it's a very undefined still market, you're saying.
2: It is a very undefined. And I'll give you one Uh very interesting example. So there's something called uh, mental maps or vestibular mapping. So if you are in your bedroom and you have to go use a restroom in the middle of night, your eyes could practically be shut down and you will still navigate and you know where the bathroom is and you would go. But if you were in a hotel or at a friend's place, then you get up in the middle of night, you kind of don't know your orientation. When you get up, you almost feel that you are in your own house trying to navigate the surroundings. (laughs) And and this is your internal GPS right it's the mental map um, there's something called place cells which are in your brain um, mm. which are the hippocampus so the vestibular connections help these place cells and when you have a pathology with the vestibular system then it disrupts this mental mapping mm. and these are the people who almost freeze in an open parking lot because they are not able to navigate that surrounding. We call spatial orientation and spatial mapping or navigation. Um, And this is a function of vestibular system. So they may not have dizziness, but they might be complaining about, oh, I get lost very easy. I go somewhere, I'm having a hard time finding my way back. Uh, They may have problems with puzzles.
1: So how do you connect that to some of the leading neurological diseases that are, you know, taken over our society, such as, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MS, you know, um, I, I, my mind goes right to, you know, if you work on what you're talking about, you're, you could reduce, if anything, chances of those things ever taking place, Right
2: absolutely absolutely I, I think the biggest thing is recognizing them a lot of times these people these patients have these problems and they just blame it to aging like i have so many people and they will have these issues and we'll talk about it it's like oh this happens to me all the time like i will be in an open parking lot and i will have no idea where my car is parked or how to navigate or where to go but they just say is maybe i'm stressed maybe i'm overwhelmed with a lot of stuff going on or maybe it's aging Um, And a lot of females will just say "Is maybe it's dual tasking or too many things on their head. Um, But once we recognize them, there are ways in which we can assess and then have a planned treatment, trying to break it down in certain times. We use a lot of ways in which we can um, facilitate the vestibular system by having them close their eyes, use different ways. And um, we try to get them back to this mental mapping or spatial orientation.
0: I'm sorry, if I may ask a question, Dr. Nassim. This is fascinating. Of course. (laughs) Are you saying that there are a lot of people walking around who have maybe their vestibular system is breaking down and getting worse over time, and they just don't even know it?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, At least in my practice, I have found them. Hmm. And uh, Sam, you're right. It's not just patients with vestibular pathology, but I have seen a lot of patients with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. They have a hard time with these mental mapping. And I think when we look at it together, maybe it's not just this one thing. It's a lot of other things. So maybe their cognition is getting affected as well. Maybe their sensory system is falling apart. And then maybe their physical fitness level or the muscle strength is not the best also. And then it could be a combination of all of these things. And when we start addressing them, maybe we have somebody work on their cognition. Someone is working on the sensory system. Someone is working on the strength. But then together, we don't address this spatial orientation. And I feel that's a piece that gets left out.
1: No, very, very well said. You know, Nassim, one thing that I really wanted to dive in with you on today was, you know, I've been in the wellness field and the fitness and nutrition world for 20 years. I have had a lot of interaction with many, many physical therapists over this period of time from, you know, top-notch people at HSS all the way through really good people that have their own shop down the block, you know? And, you know, what, what I wanted to ask you is, you know, I have never met anyone that's taking the same approach as you are i haven't seen um and that's what really you know drew me to really digging deeper and seeing what it is that you do because of my own obsession with neurology due to zen 57 and the prevention aspect of it so it really like it it really triggered my mind and i wanted to ask you you know in the state of physical therapy of what it is today where we are in 2022 you know where does this kind of thought process come into play and um and and how is there others out there is this a growing field how do we get people to pay more attention to this yeah uh
2: that's a really good question and um i feel in 2022, especially with a lot of this health and wellness and especially coming out of pandemic, I feel everyone is talking about health and wellness, Yeah. Uh, and especially also in the physical therapy field. And I feel going back and thinking about what is actually health and then what is actually wellness, uh, I see a lot of people use this terminology interchangeably. And um, just about a couple of months ago, actually, I was just Googling to figure out this whole wellness part of it as I was trying to develop my own wellness center. Uh, right. And um, I, I think it's like a buzzword of yeah. wellness. Uh, right. But are we really providing wellness? And so just looking at health and wellness a little bit, I feel when people think about health, they think about disease. They think about absence of disease is good health. When thing, people think about wellness, it's like, upkeeping, your yeah, general wealth. It could be more physical health, but I think about it more in terms of psychological health, social health, emotional health, uh, nutrition, sleep, everything, right? And I, I look at wellness as I could be having a disease. I could be having Parkinson's. But am I able to take that disease and still function in my own physical, social, emotional, psychological well-being? And And that's what wellness means to me. In terms of like how physical therapists approach this, I think physical therapists are really cognizant about wellness. But then I also feel that physical therapists have so many barriers, especially being dictated by insurance companies, and that they don't reimburse physical therapists to do wellness.
1: Mm-hmm. So that, that, that is a great segue for my next question in, in that within the insurance and wellness world, because that's, you know, Matt and I uh, and, 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 and our company and what we run, you know, it, 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 it's more of, you know, understanding um, how do you bridge that gap between getting insurance companies to understand that if you, you know, learn to open up for people in order for them to have more available to them by professionals such as yourself obviously that can allow them a much better health playing field moving forward by utilizing their wellness i think that's something that can be really 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 good and i and i it, i don't i don't see that happening anytime soon unfortunately uh, i feel like the you know that 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 model um still has a ways to go but it's good to see that that's where we're headed so do you Mm -hmm. feel like as a physical therapist you need to go more towards a private sector in order to be able to capture more of this type of information and get yourself out more
2: absolutely absolutely and i think it's my this desire that led me to open up a private practice because then you can have self-pay and you can promote wellness which is one thing that's missing from a lot of patients that we see with chronic disabilities. Um, And as a neuroclinical specialist, a lot of my patients are not going to get 100% better ever, but we have to maintain wellness and they can get better in terms of wellness. They can still go for walks outside. They can still go play golf. They can still go on a boat and sail away. But in order for them to be able to do that, they have to continue this wellness programs through their life. Um, and so I think that insurance has a lot of between rehabilitation, maintenance, wellness. And that's so,
1: where so, so do you catch yourself now being a lot more, I mean, you know, being in the private sector allows for you to almost get into more of a preventative and, 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 not and preventative is is a tricky word, right? There there is preventative. And then like you said, some of the patients are never going to get better. But if you can continue to give them the best ability of, of development and evolution over time, so they can have the best experience in life, well, then what's better than that, right? (laughs) Yeah, great. So, so, Tell us a little bit more about this rehab health three hundred and sixty. Um, you know, how did this come about? And uh, you know, what is it that you currently do? How long have you guys been open? You know, give us a little feedback because I know there's some physical therapists listening to this that are like, you know, maybe I should open up my own place.
2: <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, opening up an own clinic that's the best experience uh, ever. Um, it was definitely anxiety provoking uh, initially. Uh, even right now, sometimes there are some days where I think, why did I do this? But <laughs> I feel uh, just the results and the satisfaction is just so much more and the ability for you to grow and do what you want to do. Um, the biggest thing that have Health 360 focuses on is patient engagement, motivation, empowerment, and fun. I, I feel fun has to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way I set up my clinic is it will not look as if it's a health facility. Uh, I wanted people to feel warm when they come in. I wanted it to be easy and convenient. Um, efficiency was a big thing. I see a lot of times where patients get out of the car, they had to walk a long distance or take an elevator, take a couple steps to get to the building, uh, opening the door. Like, again, patients with neurologic deficits, even these small little things, even trying to be in a closed elevator for like, 30 seconds, Um, that's anxiety provoking. So I wanted to keep it as easy and as safe and convenient as possible. So that that was a big thing when I chose the Rehab Health 360 location. Um, And then I think the big thing is learning and motivation. So we talk about principles of neuroplasticity and there are like these 10 principles and they are like, you have to use intensity and exercises and you use it or lose it. And I, I absolutely believe in all of them. But the one principle that I really believe in is salience and salience is it has to be important to the patient. It has to be important, meaningful, and they have to get motivated to do it. And this is where I feel about learning is like all of us, even for me. uh, Right now, I'm learning to ski. But anytime I try to learn something, I think it just kind of empowers all these neurotransmitters. You love what you're doing and you want to do more and you transfer those skills and you inspire others and together all of us build a community and we want to do more for each other so i i really try even if my patients are very very chronic they can still learn and we try to learn one thing a day i think i think that's a big thing i feel is we should be learning at least one new thing a day
1: that's that's fantastic um you know another by the way i agree with you 100 i i you know the fun has to be involved the you know structure as well has to be there the the, the daily work has to be there you know all of those things you know when you're looking at the state of neurology. And if we if if I ask you to kind of step out of that zone a little bit, and you're looking at athletes, right? Um, And and how you approach uh, a athlete who has you know who let's say or give us an example has there been a athlete where you know um you're seeing this type of issues with either their a former or current athlete and how how do you what's your approach there to get them into where they need to be
2: yeah um i can give you an example because i work with this wonderful wonderful person uh, again i think i learn a lot from all my clients um, and i get inspired from them so this particular client of mine is a former athlete um, playing like natural level sports. And he is so in about his body because he has always been on the field. He's always worked out and he works out every single day. Uh, he's actually sometimes more determined um, than I am in terms of having that schedule, trying to work out every single day. And I think for him, it's more about that change of thought process and yes we want to work out but we don't want to just rely on intensity or strengthening or balance because those are all very very good things to do but then we also want to shift our focus and do different kind of aerobic conditioning exercises as well and then monitor how the heart rate is how the oxygen uptake is because those exercises have a different influence on your brain and again it goes back to the release of those neurotransmitters which help with focus and attention and anxiety depression so just a little bit different i think with athletes it's a lot of uh, education sometimes and understanding their body and why they're doing and how they're doing it Uh, so i think that's maybe a little bit different focus
1: Understood. Um, you know, with, with with athletes and and um, obviously leading into brain trauma, you know, uh, for former athletes, and you know, uh, I think a huge topic of discussion that that has been, you know, uh, for the past couple of years, um, has been traumas due to CTE and, um, you know, other types of uh, damage. I know my son plays lacrosse. He's 10 years old and, you know, they wear helmets and and, and there's concussions. And now I'm seeing even in that world, there is uh, protocols that are being put into place that are more and more on the safe side um, and, and and you know and and really people are starting to become more and more aware of long-term damage over small increments of movements right that or, or impact Um and, and I wanted to kind of get your opinion on uh, what's what how, can you give us a little uh, give us a little insight as to you know you have a patient you know he or she comes in and they suffer from something like CTE like where how do you look at that and how do you evaluate that and let's get into a little bit of that science and explain to us what do you do there
2: yeah so I think this is again a really good question um, I could speak for hours on this one also, because I think CTE is such a multi-dimensional diagnosis. And honestly, we still don't understand it. I think we do have a lot more research about it, uh, but we still don't understand it completely. And there is just such a varied presentation. You could have 10 people diagnosed with CTE and all 10 presentations would be completely different from each other. Um, the way I like to approach my evaluation is I usually first start with just understanding the person and knowing who they are, what they like to do, and their support system, their family system. So that, that that's usually my, we call them contextual factors, but that, that's what I need to understand first. That's my first part of my evaluation. And then I also look at like different systems that could lead to this concussion or CTE, uh, post-concussive disorders, um, I look at neck a lot, and neck could be something that it's not directly involved, but maybe over a period of years, like somebody has gotten hit multiple times when they were 20 years ago, but then since 20 years, they never learned how to extend their neck or keep them in the right position. And then from primary problems, it can lead to secondary and tertiary problems. So definitely like to address the neck first. Um, And with neck is also the posture. The other thing I really like to look at is the vestibular system. And then, as I said before, with vestibular system, it's not just looking at their eyes, looking at their inner ear function, the dizziness part of it. Um, There's something called benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And even though it may not be in the active form, I have found so many times that patients with chronic uh, post-concussive syndrome could have that present and we do a couple of maneuvers, it takes a lot like good part of the symptoms out. Um, But even in vestibular system, I look at cognition and the spatial mapping and how they function just outside in the community or in their house. Um, And then the other big thing I like to look at is autonomic system. So you might have heard the diagnosis of dysautonomia. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, right now with patients with COVID-19, that's another big diagnosis. It's a, that's a, it's diagnosis. a
1: big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a big
2: yeah. One. yeah. Uh, and I think that dysautonomia or some people call it POTS, which is like a different trajectory, um, postural uh hypertension. Um, but looking at your ability to vary your heart rate as you exercise and trying to see if you feel symptomatic or not symptomatic. So there is a whole, um, there is a buffalo treadmill test. There are different other protocols that you could use to understand better about this dysautonomia or exercise exertion. Uh, and then I think the other thing that I like to look at is motor function. And motor function is you look at strength, power in your muscles, but then you're also looking at coordination and executive function skills. Because sometimes those could be affected because of this chronic or long-standing brain dysfunction
1: that's yeah that's a great breakdown and 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 you know i'm seeing how you are putting the pieces together you know in 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 that progressive motion and then and that's it's uh you know it's fantastic um you know one thing that I wanted to also talk to you about today was where you mentioned something about the heart rate, right? And and understanding heart rate variability as opposed to you know what your beat should be, um, with this whole new wave of technology. That is starting to come into our world with, you know, uh, wearing our whoops uh, and, and, you know, yeah, Matt and I wear ours and every day and all the different measurements. And, you know, I'm seeing also a lot of uh, devices now that you can put on your head and it can measure specific waves and and, and it has all of these different um, measurements. A couple of questions. Hey, what do you think of all that? B, how do you or do you uh, already implement that into your practice or is those things you're looking to eventually get into? Um, and if you know anything about this whole brain waves and measuring them through in-home devices, um, how accurate are these things and what are they really telling us?
2: Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. I don't think I have a lot of information on this because um, I, I'm not a very tech savvy person, uh, <laughs> but I think from what I have heard and read a little bit, so in my clinic, I do use the heart rate because um, I'm still trying to find out the best systems. I'm experimenting a little bit, but it would be really cool for me to have a device on patient, which I actually have a polar heart rate monitor right now. Uh, Patient wears them on their uh, forearm and then it connects it to the app and I get the heart rate as they are exercising. So I, I think that's very, very important. Especially as you're trying to condition these patients, uh, clients. Uh, but there are also a lot of other technology outside. Um, someone was telling me about like the ear buds, which are like uh, intelligent earbuds. I don't know what they do in the inner ear, but it was like a hmm. high tech. I haven't
1: version. heard of that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: about that, I think it was in some <laughs> news channel. But I think going back to picking the brain activity, I think next couple years we're going to hear a lot more about that. Uh, Right now, there are definitely some invasive and there are also some non-invasive methods in which you can pick on brain activity. And I think they have done a lot of research in like maybe rats, uh, but honestly, I don't know too much about those research or how it's going to pick on brain activity, but I do know that there's a lot of information out there possibly.
1: Yeah, no, I ask because, you know, in creating, you know, my system of Zen 57, you know, it's really has the background of understanding how to train that nervous system, right, really teaching a language, I call it between your mind and your body by utilizing that nervous system, creating those pathways and teaching it that sequential pattern on a daily basis repeated over time to produce a specific state for your neurology, right? And, you know, I love people like you in this field, because and that's, I talk to most trainers or other people inside of the fitness world, uh, even a lot of physicians, it almost sounds like a foreign concept to most people. But it's a, you know, it, it it's something that you know, I think in terms of yoga and in terms of meditation and Tai Chi and Qigong, you know, these are things that have been utilized for thousands of years. And and you know, the ancient shamans and the yogis, they've been talking about this science for a long time, right? Yeah. Um and and you know, now I'm excited because I'm seeing how we are, as a species, developing to understanding the brain and the mind a little bit better, um, which is a question of mine for you. I wanna know the difference, in your opinion, the difference between the brain and the mind. Um, that's a that, that's a question I like to ask anybody who likes to study neurology. Um, but before we get to that, yeah, so I, I just, you know, I, I, well, first, yeah, tell me that. What is, the, what is in your opinion, the difference between the brain and the mind? How do you differentiate the two, or do you? Uh, I, I
2: No, I, I think that is a difference between a brain and a mind. And, um, I think brain, I look at it more like a structure Mm. and the mind controls the brain.
1: Mm. So, So, go ahead. Understood, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so right. So that signals that, you know, the mind sets out to the brain, right? I mean, Mm. that is, there is genetic factors that we're now finding out have to do, you know, with how we are what we're prone to getting and what we're not there is you know also habitual factors that you know play a role inside that and then there comes back to what you were talking about the psychological factor and how I love how you ask people about their life when they first come in, because I feel like that's something that is so forgotten. It's just someone comes into a physical therapist place or inside somewhere. It's like, okay, what's the condition? And let's go. And people tend you know, have the tendency to forget about the most important question. What's your environment? What's your state of mind?
2: And and I think uh, going back like this, as you say, it it is very important to know about the person. And uh, sometimes when you go to a physical therapy clinic, again, uh, this is one of the barriers is we are so dictated by the insurance, you might only have 30 minutes for an evaluation, you want to get patient in, finish your evaluation, get the patient out. Uh, And so you're dictated a lot because of those restrictions. Uh, But I do feel that asking about the person and spending more time Um, that that gives me this flexibility from this rehab health 360 like last week a patient came to me and we were exercising and then we were like oh do you want to do wordle because that's the most popular game out there so I did it with my 70 year old patient who has Parkinson's and he told me that this was the most fun he had in the whole last year playing the game of wordle.
1: You know that that is so underestimated. What you just said <laughs> and under and underutilized. You know, as, mm-hmm. as I know myself and, you know, as I get a little bit older now, it, it the, the view changes and you're always, you realize that, you know, you hit a point in life where you're always trying to get back to your childhood and trying to find that inner fun that's inside of you somewhere, mm-hmm. right? How do you exude that or bring that out? And the fact that you can do that for people like that, I think is magnificent. Um, you know, I... I, I want to you know, close this by asking you, where do you see the state of wellness and health in the next five years, especially in your field? And where would you like it to see? Where would you yeah. like to see it go, I should say?
2: Honestly, I would like every living being out there doing some form of wellness. And it can start right from young age all the way to older adults. Um, I think our society uses health as a big preponderance of getting help. But I think our society should be looking more about wellness because that will prevent them from going to the hospitals because of the health reasons.
1: I love that. Simple and to the point. Um, So Nassim, for our readers, uh, and our listeners, I should say, um, that, you know, are listening, if they want to learn more about you, and they have, you know, or know someone that could use your assistance, and what you offer, uh, where would they find you? And uh, can you just, you know, give us a little bit about, you know, your center and, and a little bit of information?
2: Yes, absolutely. So I'm located in Acton, Massachusetts. um, And my rehab facility is called rehab health 360. People can find me on my website, www.rehabhealth360.com. And I'm new to this, but I'm learning the social media. So people can follow me (laughs) on Instagram and Facebook. With the hashtag #RehabHealth360.
1: Beautiful, and and um, as me know. Uh, those will all be inside uh, the description here for you guys. So, you know, anybody who is listening to this can just go there and uh, click and get to know a little bit more about Nassim. Um, Nassim, this was such a pleasure having you on uh, and I really, really enjoyed picking your brain about a subject that I love, that I think more people should be talking about. Um, and uh, and i look forward to doing a 2.0 version of this sometime in the near future.
2: Absolutely. It was just so nice to kind of talk to you. And uh, this is really interesting topic. And I think more of us should be talking about this a lot more. Um, and thank you for having me uh, at the podcast.
1: Our pleasure, our pleasure. So go ahead, Matt, you want to close us out here.
0: I'll just briefly add that this really was fascinating and refreshing and, and we'll put all of this stuff in the show notes and the links, but, but Nasim, it was just really refreshing to hear about, about you and about what rehab health 360 is about. I mean, for those who are watching on YouTube, you can see, you know, when you think physical therapy, you probably think, you know, arms and legs, but Nasim's logo is the picture of a brain and all the pathways in the brain. And, and, you know, that's what we do at Zen 57 training. And, and that's what Nasim is doing, working with people who need help in in, in, in fixing that area of their life. And it's, it's, you know, it governs their whole life, the nervous system. So this is really just refreshing to hear. And your approach, like Sam said, we really appreciate your approach to the whole patient, the whole body, to their family, to their life, to what they like to do. So it's just really refreshing to hear. And thank you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Very nice to meet yeah. Matt. you, Matt. My, my, my one closing statement to all the insurance companies, if you guys don't start to put in the proper format needed, then more amazing physicians like Nassim are going to start becoming private. (laughs) 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 So let's all get on board here. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Nassim. It was wonderful chatting with you and look forward to
0: talking with you soon.
2: Thank Likewise.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Thank
0: you, Sam. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you have it. That was Dr. Nassim Chattawalla, folks. And as we said at the end there, you know, her approach to treating the whole patient as a whole person with a whole body and mind is really refreshing. Um, you know, everything from her description of the vestibular system and the analogy of like going to the bathroom in the dark and how important that is to to what she would like to see in the field of health and wellness. Every living being out there doing some form of wellness is just so in line with our mission and we know what you care about as our listeners. So thank you again for listening. Welcome back to the Helix and Gene podcast. Check the show notes for links to rehabhealth360.com as well as Instagram at rehabhealth360, Dr. Chadawalla's practice. And of course you can learn more about Helix and Gene wellness at helixandgene.com as well as you can awaken the spiritual warrior within by training with us at zen57.com. Until next time, take care and be well.